and welcome to Grade Zone Talks and Talk to Experts, a podcast where Grade Zone students talk to experts and find out more about the specialty. I'm your host for this episode, Tyler, and I'm a student at Hallsburg School in Lawrence, Alberta. Before we get to our experts for this episode, I just want to share a, bit, a little bit of who we are and what we'll, what, we'll, what we'll be doing in our podcast. We are a class of 27 Grade Zone students in a non-traditional classroom setting, where we are focusing on exper- experiential learning using the scheme approach and STEAM, which has for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. We want to answer the age-old question of why we have to learn this, by directly connecting what we study inside the classroom and, and, and with the world outside of the school. For our podcast, students will be contacting an expert what they know in their lives. This, this person could be an expert in their profession or job, or what could traditionally be considered a hobby or interest. So without further delay, I'm pleased to introduce our podcast for this our, our expert for this podcast for this episode, who is an expert in neurology and genetics, Dr. Fran- Francois Balduc. Welcome. Well, thank you. Hi. Let's start by getting to know you. Please tell us about yourself. So, as I mentioned, I am um, a person that comes from Quebec. You know, I I kind of studied in different places and I moved to Alberta, I think back in 2008, so like a while ago. And like I showed you, I study the, the fruit flies and how their gene works and how they learn stuff and things like that. And also work in the clinic uh, to try to understand, you know, how uh, some people have more trouble learning, some people have more trouble with their brain, how it works, you know, and, and try to help them out. How many people were in your family growing up? I had, I have, I still have two brothers, and uh, and I had my mom and my dad. What's your family like now? Well, my dad passed away this year, unfortunately. Like I mentioned, he had the cancer, so you know, after two years, he kind of passed away. So in September, so I now just have my mom uh, and my two brothers. Uh, I also have my wife here in Edmonton, and I've got the little daughter. She's seven years old. Oh, actually, no, sorry. She just turned eight years old now. <laughs> we have two cats, and uh, one is called Harry, and the other cat is called Hermione, so like in Harry Potter. Yes, that's funny. Uh, what did you for fun? <laughs> Can you repeat that? What do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? I usually ski in the winter. Uh, I like to uh, go skiing here in the mountains. Although this year we had to move from the night. So what I do for fun now is I put shelves together. <laughs> <laughs> I try to clean the garage and, and we don't have a driveway. So I remove a lot of mud, you know, in the house. So that's what I do for fun right now. But uh, without, no, you know, seriously, I, I like biking also a lot. So we do a lot of biking in the summer and, um, yeah, I think that's kind of what I do. My, I, 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 uh, my daughter likes to play pretend also, so we do a lot of theater play and stuff like that with her. Latino souls. Um, where did you live as a kid, and what was it like? I lived in the in a small town in front of Quebec City. Uh, it is, um, well, it's a big town now actually because a lot of people are kind of moving out of Quebec City and living in what's called a suburb, you know, and so. I, I grew up there. I went to school there, uh, yeah, until I was high school. And uh, well, in Quebec, we have what is called like a college or cégep. So I went to school there. And then after that, I went to another town to study medicine. So I went to Sherbrooke, which is a small town outside 
well, in between Quebec and Montreal. And uh, it's nice because most people there are students. So, you know, a lot of people kind of come to study there. So it was really, really nice. And uh, then I moved to Montreal to study in a kind of bigger university. And then um, I went to meet with, when I was in Montreal, I met with one researcher that studied the flies, the guy in the video that unfortunately you guys could not see. And basically this guy kind of invented that you could study flies to learn about their genes and the learning and all that. He became very famous actually. And uh, he was able to find some medication to help with people that have learning problems. And so studied with him uh, there uh, and then I kind of opened up my own lab after that. What was school like for you when you were younger? I really like school, although I found it quite stressful. So I don't know for you guys, but you know, you want to be good, you want to do, and you don't like it when you miss something. So I, I kind of liked school. I always kind of liked the brain. I think even when I was in high school, I'd make presentation on the brain and the sleep and how we learn. So kind of always like that. And that's why I went to study medicine to try to understand the brain a little bit better. And that's why I went to work in the lab after that was to try to find out how the genes work in the brain. And so school is always fun. I had, you know, lots of friends in school, uh, kind of like, you know, doing clubs, you know, and stuff like that, did a movie club and, and things like that. And then I kind of really liked med school because everyone was interested in, in the body and the brain and that kind of stuff. So to me, that was the most exciting piece here. Um, we didn't have a program like you guys, like with science and technology back then. So we had kind of, you know, some programs, some, uh, not program, but some festivals like with engineering and stuff like that. So I did that. I really like that, you know, build some machines and, and kind of computers. Well, there was not really computers back then. It was like, you know, very simple. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, you know, my computer had a cassette player just to tell you guys like how long time ago this was like, you know, we didn't have like drives and thumb drives and stuff. It was like a cassette, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it was a long time ago, but uh, yeah, I really like that stuff. What do you remember? What do you remember about grade seven specifically? Can you repeat that? Sorry, Todd. What do you remember about grade seven specifically? Oh, wow. That's a long time ago. So in Quebec, we changed school after grade six. So from kindergarten to grade six, we are in a, in a school. And uh, that school was like next to the church. And it was lots of nuns. So it was kind of a, the first school. It's funny because when my dad was sick, I went back. And now they have like a, a bike path close to it. So I saw the kids from grade, you know, one to grade six there. And I kind of remembered me going into the gymnasium, me going into this and that. It's not changed actually at all. In grade seven, we changed school. So what I remember about grade seven was the smell of paint because they had to open a new school. <laughs> and so they they took an, an old building and they repainted it. It's when you asked me that. I, never, I, never, I didn't think about this for a long, long time, actually, until now. And yeah. the building was brand, it was an old building and it was brand new. So they had to, not brand new, but brand kind of repainted inside. So for like a month, it's now like construction and painting and all that. And then the other thing I remember about grade seven is that there was a bakery. Actually, there's still a bakery there next to it. So every morning you could smell the bread, you know, the fresh bread smell. So that's my other memory of grade seven. 
The other thing I remember is there was theater. Uh, people like we had a big end theater and people uh, had a theater. The other thing I was going to say, like, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone because no one knows that in Edmonton is that they made a poster with my picture on it and two other ladies. And it was kind of a technology kind of, they were trying to push the technology kind of thing in that school. And so we had a computer, but the computer was like a massive kind of machine. Like we could barely see us beside the computer, you know? And so I remember I'm sitting next to that computer and uh, I was thinking, wow, this is such a cool computer. And uh, yeah, that's kind of my memory grade seven. Actually, I had more memory than I thought about grade seven. Mm -hmm. Thank you for reminding me about that. <laughs> cells i think we've got like a couple of trillions so not millions not billions but trillions and then there's different types of brain cells and then each brain cell has connection so i forgot how many but there is like a lot uh and those kind of cells communicate together if you look at the brain picture like i showed at the beginning there's kind of people that have divided the brain in some region like the reading region the vision the hearing the thinking, that kind of stuff. Um, there's one part of the brain that's really deep inside. So, you know, a brain looks like the brain of other species. If you look at the brain of a cat or the brain of a mouse, so the brain of a horse, we have some parts that are the same and we have some parts that are different. So that's why our speech is different. People think that's why our thinking is different. So in Tourette, what we, be, what we think is that there's a part that controls your movement that is different and so that part is kind of moving faster and so that's why people have like sometimes they're twitching or they can have like some people say words you know and that kind of thing so it's it's the Tourette itself is kind of rare but let me just show you the picture here again let me find that here i'm just going to share my screen so you can see that so Tourette is just like a definition that, that some doctors Actually, it's a French doctor that came up with this name. So in, in the, that was the name of the doctor. And Tourette basically is just T-O-U-R-E-T-T. -T. And Tourette syndrome just means that you've got tics, you've got some attention issues, you may have some issues. Not everyone has everything, but they have like some bits and pieces of those things. Uh, they may have like some routine they need to follow, you know, and that kind of thing. And, you know, everyone is different. So I have a lot of people that have Tourette. And some of them will have the text mostly. Some people have attention issues. Some people will have to follow some routines. And they won't tell you that stuff. Like you'll see sometimes they twitch their eyes or things like that. But you won't know like necessarily that they've got other issues. So it's rare that people have all these things. Like, But if you look at those bubbles here, like 13% of people, some people say even 18%. So that's like one person in five up to one person in five will have some of those things. Not all of them necessarily. So it's quite, quite common. And there's a lot of, you know, grown-ups that don't know they've got that because no doctors back then would tell them that, but they have it now. So if you think about some singers or 
you know, they'll say, oh, you know, I have another thing that's not threat, but another thing like autism, they'll have like, you know, they'll say, oh, I have autism. Um, I think there's a famous singer, like a guy from The Weeknd said that he had autism. But, you know, everyone is, like I said, different and their way they're presenting is different. But together, like if you look at these things, like together, there's a lot of people that will have some of it. But the combination, that's more. Hope that answers it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. What Good question. A, what does a typical day look like for you? Okay, so a typical day is, well, actually, there's before COVID and after COVID. You can ask your teachers, probably change for the teachers too, yeah. a lot. Typical day is basically uh, a mixture. It's actually not changed completely with COVID because it's still a mixture. So you see, for instance, this morning, I started by looking at some patient files. And so there's some kids that come, I had my clinic yesterday, so there's some kids that had some problem, I needed to talk with the nurse. So I will usually kind of look at that and see what kind of issues. Some of the kids we follow, they have like seizures or epilepsy. I don't know if you have anybody in your class or in your school that has seizure or epilepsy. Uh, it's another common problem that kids will have. And so kids and adults actually. Uh, and so that's one of the things I will do at the beginning of the day usually is kind of try to check, make sure nobody's having a big problem. And then the nurse will send me a message. Um, I then talk with my students uh, in the laboratory um, and all the students in the university. So, you know, like you guys are in grade seven, you said, so uh, there's people that are still kind of in university, actually the university just finished for, the, for this term, but they're doing exams and stuff like that. So you, but there's one student that missed the exam because they were sick with COVID. So I have to kind of make a new exam for that student. So we were talking about that spend a lot of time reading what other doctors are doing also in the research. So we get like, you know, in Edmonton, we have one side, side for research, but there's research in every place in Canada, in US, in the world. So we basically work a lot together. So we have some doctors who are working right now on a project in France. So for them, it's late in the day. So we start with those in, you know, France and England. And so we kind of talk to them. So because they're going to go to bed soon. You know, like it's uh, eight hours, so then it's like six o'clock, I think, right now. So we start with those kind of emails. And then we work with people here as well. So we kind of talk with them as well. And then after you, after this, I have another Zoom meeting with a group of uh, students from uh, Quebec City, actually, uh, that work on the computer and how to use um, computers to understand the genes and how they work. So we have a meeting with them. Uh, usually, also, we'll have the on Monday, we'll have the, the meeting with the people from the England, but actually it was a holiday apparently yesterday, so we didn't have our meeting. And then I usually will talk with um, with with the nurse again at the end of the day uh, and kind of make sure there's no issues, no problems. In the past, I would do that all at the university. Now, as you can tell, I'm at home, so I will do some of this at home. But I still have to go to the hospital sometime you know, uh, to take care of the patient in the, in the hospital. So there are some kids that are really sick. Their brain is really not working because they got an accident or, you know, something happened with their brain. So we need to kind of see them in the hospital. They're not good, you know, to stay at home, that kind of thing. So we will talk to them in the hospital then. So I will go to, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know, like the intensive care unit and the emergency room and all that. So We'll have to go see them there because sometimes they're, they're kind of too sick to, to come to the clinic. And um, yeah, and then sometimes when I'm really lucky, 
I get to work with my flies. But most of the time, I've got the assistant now that takes care of the flies. You know, you have to give them food. You have to kind of change them from one place to another. Like, you know, so when they have their babies, you need to take their babies and put them in a different bottle and all that. So I really like doing that. I don't get to do it very much anymore. Now I have to kind of write papers and write grants to get money to pay all my employees, my staff, my teammates. Yeah. Um, but when I can go in the lab, I really like that. I'll invite Gannett for a question. Okay. Hi, what do you, uh, hi, my name is Gavin and what do you find most interesting about learning? How we learn, you know, how we get to know stuff that we didn't know before, how you get ideas. That's what I find the most interesting. Like, if you guys remember, like when you were in grade six, like try to take a minute and remember what you did in grade six. Like if you asked me in grade seven what I did, and I had to retrieve that memory from a long time ago. But you know, I talked about what I smell. I talked about what I still see in my head. So if you close your eyes and think about grade six, then your brain has to come up with like kind of a movie of what happened. I'll sometimes smell. The reason, that, you know, it's kind of funny because you asked me about the memory that was really a long time ago. It's like you guys tried to remember something not you did yesterday, but something you did like as a baby, as a kid. You may have like a smell that comes to your mind because the smell is kind of one of the most basic kind of stuff that even a small baby will know the smell of their mom. They'll be able to tell who's their mom because they, not necessarily because they see them, but because they smell. So you remember, like I told you about the smell in my school. It's kind of weird, yeah. <laughs> but it's frequently what people will say. You know, if if they try to remember something really old, is kind of what what the smell was. Like if you had a blanket or a teddy bear, you may remember that smell, although the blanket may be gone. Um, that's kind of very, very kind of deep in your brain. That's why we remember it. So that's what I really like, is try to find how do we do that. And it's not super simple, actually. A lot of things in your brain have to come together. And then I try to find how the genes work for doing that too. Because some people have trouble with their memory. Like some kids have trouble, but also some old people, you may know, like they don't remember things. So that's one of the things that you don't remember stuff. Like you don't know where you live anymore. You know, that kind of stuff that's hard to live, you know. And so that's kind of what I'm interested in the most. All right. Thank you. Welcome. Were you always interested in science and neurology as a kid? Actually, I was. Yeah, I think I was interested in the brain. I didn't know it was called neurology back then. Um, one of my aunts was a doctor, and she brought me this book and I looked at pictures of the brain and kind of actually memorized like all the brain parts. It was kind of nerd, <laughs> but I really liked that. And uh, then I, I kind of started learning about like how the brain works to learn stuff and things like that. So I, that was kind of in high school. And yeah. yeah, it was kind of easy for me because I kind of, I guess I, I knew early on what I was going to do, but that's fine. I've got, when I was in New York, you know, I met some guys who had no idea what they're going to do, like really no idea. And they kind of, you know, the good news about school is you try and you meet a lot of people. You guys in your class, you're going to meet people like that like stuff. And some people don't know what they like. And it's fine. You know, 
because that guy actually didn't know what he likes. Now he's one of the big top brain scientists in, in the US at the big university called Harvard. So, you know, you don't have to know what you want to do. Um, you, you're going to find out, you know, sometimes you're stressed out about this. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So don't stress over that. You'll, you'll meet somebody, you'll find people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now I'm at Liam up for a question. Uh, hi, Hello. Liam. Are there different types of Tourette's? Yeah, I think different, like Tourette, not different types of Tourette's in the sense that, you know, there's different names for it necessarily. But people will have very different ways they, they kind of present with it. So, like I said, you can have some people that have more issues with their attention. Some people have more issues with their tics. Some people are more like worrying about things inside. So it's really important when you meet somebody with red, think like, you know, kind of be nice. A lot of people get bullied because they've got the tics and people make fun of them. You know, when I was uh, in research in New York, actually, one of the most important scientists there he had a lot of ticks, and and you know at the beginning I didn't know like I knew what Tourette was because I was a doctor, but I I didn't know you know that he had the ticks until because some people will try to keep it inside a lot, you know they will try to not show it because the 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 other people may look at them weird or kind of make fun of them. So there's not really different types of Tourettes, but there's for sure different types of Tourette's in the sense that people have all different ways of presenting, you know, with them. And keep in mind, a lot of um, people will kind of try to hide it, you know. And so don't make fun of it. That's really, really important because it's not something that somebody is doing for fun or to try to get your attention. It's just difference in the way your brain works. Some people are in, run really fast. Some people actually uh, don't run good. Uh, but they can do other things, you know, and so that's really, really important. People would threaten me think, you know, real fast about things. Like their brain goes faster in a way, also in their thinking. So that scientist that I'm talking about, although he's kind of, yeah, the facial things, like his eyes to move, his mouth would move, he would actually even like say words sometimes, like scream words. And so we're like, wow, man, what's going on? It was one of the most bright guy in our, in our school. You know, he was really intelligent um, and he became like a big scientist. So at university also and other professors that I work with, actually one of the doctors I work with, with the computer science, is kind of one of the most famous computer person in Canada, actually in the world even. He invented robots that can think like human basically. So, and he has a lot of ticks, you know, his eyes move all the time, he makes sounds and all that. So. I know it's hard because sometimes you're like, okay, what's going on? But, you know, you have to think like this really important to respect a person because their brain works actually normally. It's just there's some things about the brain that are different. Bye. That's, good. That's a good question. <laughs> have there been times that you felt discouraging as a neurologist? What made you keep on going? Well, I think it's just uh, people like you. Uh, that kind of say that they're kind of nice people that we work with, you know, like the, the moms, the dads, the kids, the, that say thank you and that kind of, we see them grow and we see things kind of, you know, 
it's probably like the same for your teachers. Like, you know, it's working with the people and they kind of, sometimes we don't get a thank you, but you know, sometimes we do. And, and, and I think that's kind of what keeps us going. You know, it is, there's really no uh, better reward, I would say, than seeing somebody who's kind of was a baby and now it's like a grown up or a teenager and, you know, meet them again and say like, oh, wow, you're able to do all that now. And we're so worried about you, um, you know, so that's kind of the biggest reward. The other big reward we get is that in the lab, you know, in the school at the university, we see students that kind of move on. So I'm also a teacher, right? So we kind of get students that are uh, stopping in the lab. They know not much, you know, they know nothing about what we do, the genes and all that. And then I see them like now, what about student is a teacher at University of Toronto, you know, and he has his own lab. Uh, another one is like a director of the program here at the University of Alberta. Uh, another one is in the States. Um, another one became a dentist uh, in Vancouver. And so that's all good. I've got some students also that are um, turning into different specialty like arts and education and all that. That's the biggest motivation for me. Yeah. Can you tell us about an experience where you were unsure, but you chose to participate anyway and give your best effort? Yeah, that's kind of pretty much every day <laughs> in research, you know, in medicine, we kind of have recipes, you know, we know we're taught, you know, we spend a lot of time in school and our professors are usually older than us and they've done things before us and they've kind of seen what to do and they tell us, but so we learn a lot, you know, from the teachers, but in research, many times you have to invent things. You have to come up with your own plan. You have to kind of be the one, the first one. So it's like, you know, if you remember you guys like, well, you probably don't remember because you're not one back then, but when people went to the moon, you know, like they had to invent the rocket. They had to invent how we get to the moon without like, you know, getting yeah. lost. They had to kind of learn how to land on the moon. And you know, now if you guys watch the SpaceX stuff, they have to learn how to kind of return the shuttle, kind of the, the booster stuff. They have to return the capsule. They have to kind of land on the, not land, but kind of go into the space station and meet up. I don't know if you guys watch that on YouTube, but it's really cool to see like the astronauts and their yeah. dragon, I think it's called or something. So we don't go to the moon, but kind of in our brain we do because we try to find new stuff that nobody else knows about. And so, we're always uncertain about how to do it. Yeah. You're always uncertain. You, you kind of, that's kind of the, the very stressful part for some people, but it's also very exciting. So it's like you guys going to school, already not knowing what's going to happen today, or being stressed out about something. Just keep going. You know, you, you don't, anything you don't try, you're never going to, you, you miss everything you don't try. That's kind of what I teach my students. So if you don't take an opportunity, if you don't try, you're never going to get it. If you try, you're going to get it sometime and fail sometime, which was kind of a big, big, difficult thing for me to learn. Because in medicine, you know, things worked out really good for me. But in research, it didn't work all the time, you know, and that was really tough. Um, and so you, you have to kind of just keep doing. And you're not going to you're not going to get all of them, but you're going to, you know, get more than if you don't try. So it's hard. You have to push yourself, but keep remembering why you're doing this every day. And, and then I think you just need to. The other thing I was going to say, 
even if you're uncertain, you need to think that you're doing something important. So whatever you guys going to do, it's not important what kind of job and all that in my mind, but you need to do something you're finding super cool, super important. You know, if you're doing something and it's like, oh, you know, I don't care, you're probably not doing the right thing. Or if you are like, you know, get a hobby or do something else that makes you motivated, you know, and that's really important to drive you for because otherwise you get tired and you don't really want to do and, you know. Yeah. In your opinion, what makes someone an expert? Do you consider yourself an expert? Well, what makes somebody an expert is usually somebody who has kind of knowledge about something and has skills and that kind of thing. So I, 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 there's ex, like, you know, there's experts, there's parents that are experts, there's doctors that are experts, there's teachers that are experts. I think one of the things I'm finding myself more and more expert in is kind of talking to people that do like basic stuff, like the fly stuff, and also being able to talk to doctors and not so good the teachers yet because teachers are kind of, they have their own training and it's, I'm trying to learn also how to communicate. And one thing I always go back to is like talking to them like if I was, you know, starting. It's just sometimes we get stuck into like how we think about things based on all the school that we've done. You know, I don't know, like I don't want to scare you guys, but I think I've been in school like for six years in primary school, then five years, then two years in college, then four years in medicine, then five years, and then another four years. I don't, I didn't count it, but it's a lot of years. And, you know, over the time you meet a lot of people and they kind of tell you what to think and how to think and things like that. So what I try to do is forget all that and kind of talk to them if I was talking to my mom and my brothers and things like that. So I feel I've become an expert in that, talking to people in different, not languages, but kind of. Um, I know a little thing so too about the brain and the flies too. So actually I can, that's going to maybe scare you, but I can take the brain of a fly. I can take a fly, put it asleep, you know, and then study their brain while they're still alive. So we can look inside the brain on a microscope and they're still moving and they're still smelling. And I had to learn how to do like that with tweezers and a microscope and all that. Yeah. That was pretty tough. So I'm an yeah. expert in that. There's yeah. not a lot of people in Canada that can do that. <laughs> what do you think failure has to do with success? Also, when did you fail and how did it help you? Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of success, I think, until I was in research. Then when I started research, some people were like, why are you doing research, you know, at the, at, in New York? And they were like, oh, why would you do that? You're a doctor, you should be a doctor, you should do like doctor stuff. And so they were kind of like, why are you doing here? And, you know, they, 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 and, and I didn't do well on some of the exams, you know, and on some of the tests and all that. And... I think part of it was like, I didn't know uh, some of this stuff because it was so different. So it kind of taught me like to persevere and that you don't, like I was saying, you, uh, I was saying you guys, like I, you don't get always hundred percent on your, you know, on your, on your bulletin or on your report. Cause you know, previously I'd always get everything perfect, you know? And I was like, am I in the right place here? Should I be going back to doing doctor stuff in the, Montreal, you know, I'm good at this. People love me and, you know, it's, it's 
it's not easy, but it's kind of easier. But you know what? The same people that were tough on me in the beginning when I started my research, they're the people that actually then become my best friend. They kind of said, oh, you really care about this. You really want to do this. You're not there just to kind of, you know, waste time and kind of thing like that. And it's funny because when I got my diploma, we had a big ceremony and those people really wanted to take a picture with me. <laughs> and they were like really happy for me that I was able to do that. And then we went back to what's called a reunion. So like we had like, actually right before COVID in 2019, we went back to New York, all of us like that were now, like some people were in France, some people like in different countries now, we came back together. And you know, they, they kept on telling everyone, oh, I was so impressed this one did that because I didn't have taught me would do this kind of stuff. Like, why would he do that? And so that's kind of, that's kind of cool. But you know what? I had somebody to help me out. And that's really important to find somebody to help you out when you fail. You need to know someone that's going to help you out. Could be your mom or dad, could be your teacher, could be a friend. But always make sure you have a friend or somebody with you to help you out. Because we all fail at some point, something. And if you're by yourself, you're going to get really, really sad. And it's okay to be sad, but you need to balance back. You know, it's not so much how you fail. Because I think if you go and look at TV, you think like, you know, all the guys, rock stars or the TV actors or the movie actors, they never fail because you only see the good stuff. But if you ask them, they'll tell you, oh, I tried so hard before I became famous. You know, I played in small theaters before I was a big star. But they always usually have somebody to help them out so that, you know, don't feel, don't feel, don't feel bad about asking someone to, to help you out. I would say that that's really, really important. That's what happened. So my boss back then, you know, that was my teacher for my studies, said, don't worry about it. It's going to, you know, you, you just have to keep pushing and just keep pushing. It's like a race, you know, like it's like racing in a car. You have to, sometimes you're going to get stuck, but you have to get back on the track and restart. And that's what I did. And actually, it's funny because uh, he retired now. He's older. Uh, he lives in California. And we still kind of talk together and when I go to California, I talk to him every time we go see him. He has dogs, he loves dogs. And so we're still a very good friend, but you need to have somebody like that. That's the best. And you need to keep them thinking that everything will get better. You know, that's the other thing. Don't get discouraged. Things will get better. I'm just going to interrupt here for a second. Um, we're almost out of time. Yeah, right. uh, grade sevens, when the bell goes, just, just remains, just remain seated. Okay. And we'll get Tyler to, to ask his last question. Um, we won't do any questions from the floor. Okay. Um, and Sorry. Uh, so don't, no, it's all good. It's great. It's fantastic. So Tyler, you ask your last question and then go straight into your, into your wrap up. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Tell us about someone who you looked up to when you were younger. I think my parents, you know, they were both teachers actually. So they taught in school, in, in high school, in primary school. So I kind of looked up at them and then I stopped looking up at people that are kind of my science and medical parents. So as I got older, I met other people and it became kind of my moms and dads in, in medicine and then in research. So like my teacher I was telling you about in New York, kind of, I told him one day, you're kind of my science dad. <laughs> he was really emotional about it, but it's true. Um, and so I think that's kind of, you look up at different people at different time in your life. Uh, but it's really important to have somebody you look up to and respect and kind of tell them that you appreciate what they're doing for you. Sometimes you don't tell them right away, but you can tell them next year when, you know, 
when when you're done with a year. Thank you for coming, Dr. Waldo. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. I'm going to learn a lot about neurology. Thank you to my classmates for, for the questions, and thank you, listeners, and have a great day, and stay tuned for the next episode. to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.